I'm going to ask you to do something. I hardly ever ask you guys to do anything that's really hard and stretching, but I'm going to ask you to stretch yourselves today. And I want you to imagine that we're on a boat. And it kind of works, doesn't it? The way that it's set up in front here, this looks like the bow, and um, the galley is back there in the stern. Hope you're pretty impressed with my boat language. Uh, the reason I want you to think about what it's like being on a boat, because I actually think it has a good sense of what fear feels like. Fear is kind of like disequilibrium. So if you're on a boat, you know how you can't quite, it's not this, where you can stand firm and you know what you're doing. The boat's moving and so you're moving this direction and this direction. And people who are really good on boats, they, they seem to handle it really well. Those of us who aren't good on boats tend to be, you know, flung from side to side. I remember one time uh, we were on our way to Nova Scotia and we took what I thought was the best boat in the world. It was one of those boats that kind of just hover over the water and I didn't feel anything. And I'm going on and on to the rest of the family. We had people from the Netherlands with us and my kids and Tom. I'm like, this is the best boat ride ever. And I am one of those people that are kind of like this. I can handle all of that movement. I turned around, and there were six green faces. And then I knew I had to be the action person to go get Dramamine for each of them because they were not enjoying the boat ride. Fear is kind of like that, that disequilibrium. You're not quite sure where we're going to go. And I want you to think about that as we sit in our boat together and as you hear the story this morning. And imagine what it must have been like to be on that boat, what would it feel like to kind of be in a strange and, and uncomfortable situation? Our scripture this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, and it starts at verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat, and they went to the other side of the lake. Now, there were also other boats with him. Suddenly, a furious squall, a storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? This is God's word. So why talk about fear? Why spend time on something that we'd rather not engage in? We'd rather talk about being firm, standing on a firm place. Why talk about fear? Well, one of the reasons I thought about talking about fear is like if you want to go to a movie right now, you have to want to be afraid. You want to be scared, right? Because that's about all that's in the theaters right now. There are no Christmas elf movies out there, right? It's, it's it. It's scary clowns. It's uh, being crashed in the side of a mountain, and maybe these people will or will not survive. Uh, there's a lot of scary stuff out there. 
And I know why they do it. It's October. It's that kind of ramp up for Halloween. It is the weirdest thing in the world. I'm 56 years old. In the last 10 years, how often don't we know it's Halloween when all these stores pop up everywhere with scary things that you can buy for your lawn and costumes and all that stuff. It's, it's the fear. It's the season of fear right now. So that's one reason. Why is it that, that uh, we, we kind of whip ourselves up and want to engage with fear? Why is it that we'll pay $12 to go and be afraid? Especially in light of the fact that I think that we're kind of in a culture of fear right now. I was talking to someone who uh, works for a newspaper, and he says, well, Les, fear sells. If you want people to listen to the news broadcast or buy a newspaper or a magazine, fear sells. So now, I know we, people call some of it fake news or how much is it real, but the truth of the matter is, just the right headline, and you're like beelining over there, what's going to happen? What's in the lake that's going to eat my leg off? Right? Right? Like, fear sells. We're so on the edge. We have that, almost that kind of a flicker of we're ready to kind of go in that direction. It just needs to be... The fan, uh, flame needs to be fanned a little bit, and we're there. I learned this as a young girl. I have three younger sisters. My third sister, she is afraid of food, or was growing up. Maybe you have kids in your family that were that way. Like, I've mentioned that my mom had MS, so people from church would bring meals by all the time. And as soon as the doorbell rang, my sister Pam would start crying, because she knew some strange food was coming in, and she might have to eat it. One time we went to a restaurant, and you know how sometimes meat will have like a swirl of a different color in it? Well, she was having a hot turkey sandwich, and my sister Anne leaned over and said, that's the turkey's eye. (laughs) I thought Pam was going to have a heart attack. She just, spankings were had, that's all I want to say. Right? We know how to goad each other, because there seems like there's just that little bit of a flicker of could go down a bad path pretty quickly if someone just said the right thing at the right time. We deal with fears both inward and outward, and people can take advantage of that. Fear sells and fear motivates. I had a physician once in my life who always ended every diagnosis with, it's probably this or you could die. Every one of them. We didn't last long together. Um, But she figured if she went to that end, maybe I might make the changes necessary so that I wouldn't die. Fear kind of makes us uneasy, and we're usually on the edge, and it really is we feel out of control. Fear also reminds us that we know we live in a world where things are not the way they're supposed to be. There's something probably in us who know why things aren't the way they're supposed to be. We know that sin came in the world and there's a lot of brokenness. But I think our culture also fears it and feels it in a very deep way. This is not the way creation was meant to be. This is not how we were meant to relate to each other. This is not quite right. And so I think in some ways every October the reason that many of our culture goes through this, I'm going to go get scared, is it's an opportunity to engage it get really scared, and then walk away again. It's almost like we have to, okay, I'm good. We can move on. Now, 
I also wonder if there's such thing as a healthy fear. I know that when I listen to this story and you hear the disciples being rebuked for being afraid, who wouldn't be afraid in a storm? Like, and they knew about these storms. The way that um, the Sea of Galilee is situated is it's surrounded by mountains. And it's, in, it's kind of in a wind path so that when the winds come in off the Mediterranean with kind of their um, dry and cold air and hit the moist winds of the Sea of Galilee, they create a storm. And so the winds are violent and they come up suddenly. You can't predict them. It's hard to figure out. Like, you know, you can't go to weather.com and say, ah, today will be a squall day. They just happen. It just happens how they hit each other. They're unpredictable. And we all know about the unpredictability of life, and we know that water is dangerous, and that wind can drive us to places that we don't want to go. I mean, isn't it somewhat healthy to say, hey, wait a minute, we could drown. But that's not what I think is going on there. I think what Jesus is saying don't you realize who's in the boat with you? Jesus is in the boat. He's not sleeping because he doesn't care. He's not sleeping because he thinks, oh, these guys will be fine, and if they drown, I can find 12 more. He is the king of the universe. He's the king over the wind and the waves. He's not afraid because he's not afraid, and yet he's in the boat with them. And there's a couple of truths in that that I think are just so, so important for us. One, he's not that far-off king that hopes that we make it through to the end of whatever this journey is. He's right here with us. Jesus is in the boat. I don't know if you've ever thought about degrees of separation, but when I think of the king of the universe, I think a million degrees of separation between me and the king who created the world. Now, I have been up close and personal to people in power. I'm only one degree separated, or used to be, from the President of the United States. John Boehner, who was the uh, Speaker of the House, he was a neighbor of ours. I did charity work with his wife. We went to dinner together. Didn't, it didn't rub off on, that power did not rub off on me, I just want you to know. Here's the point. I had the ears of one of the most powerful persons who had the ear of the president. That was kind of an interesting thing. I do not feel the same with the Queen of England. There are another million degrees of separation. I think most people are in the latter boat. I am here, and the king of the universe is there. And I think the reason that Mark writes this story is he wants to tell you that there are no degrees of separation that when Jesus became a human being, God became man, he became just like us. He understands our affirmities. He understands what it's like to be in the boat. He understands what it feels like to be vulnerable because he was a small baby who had to hope that the people around him would give him the care he needed. He couldn't care for himself. He knows what it's like to be in a disequilibrium kind of status. Jesus was in the boat. And so when he rebukes his disciples, he's saying, don't you know who's in here with you? I'm the one who made the world. And he gets up and he tells the storm to stop. Wind, water, enough. 
And then what happens? This is what's so amazing. First, they're afraid of the wind and the waves. What did you hear next? And it said again, they were so terrified. Now they're terrified because the king of the universe is in the boat with them. Why do you think all over the place in Scripture God says, do not be afraid? Do not be afraid. You are encountering a big God, but because my love for you, I'm coming alongside, and you do not need to be afraid. That's how much I love you. So as you imagine yourself in the boat, I think one thing that we need to think about is that we're all in the boat to, same boat together. God has created us to have community with each other. Some of us do really well in storms. Be truthful, I am your go-to girl in a crisis. I will have a meltdown later, but I will get us to the other side of the storm. For some of us, that is really hard. And so for those of us who are in the same boat, we have to remind ourselves to lift each other up. That's why we have a prayer ministry here. That's why you're invited to be a part of that prayer ministry. So we can pray for each other, lift each other up when the storms get too much and to pray for our leaders who seem like it it isn't bothering them. Don't they know we're drowning? We don't have enough people in Kids Village. Don't the leadership know we don't have enough? They know their job is to keep calm and keep moving forward. We're all in the same boat. But here's the most amazing thing. Jesus is in our boat. We are not riding this storm alone. So when you look ahead and you see the emptiness up in front, some of that probably makes you feel really uncomfortable. Leslie, stand up, stand up. But here's the truth. Some of us are feeling very frightened right now because we haven't found a pastor. This is what I want to say to you. Jesus is in the boat. He is the king of the universe and he will take care of us. Some of us, as we look around and we see all of these ministries and we say, how are we going to keep sustaining this and keep going? We're tired. We're not sure we have enough people. Who will volunteer if I say I need a break? And this is what I want to say to you. Jesus is in the boat. We are not doing this by ourselves. For some of you, you're dealing with health issues. You're wondering, oh, Are we going to be able to afford rent next month? There's all sorts of things. And this is the good news that I want you to leave with. I'm not saying that this is going to push away all of our fears. I'm not saying that it wasn't scary for those disciples to have to handle that storm. Of course it's scary. But we're not alone. Jesus is in the boat. And that's what I want to leave you with this week as you start engaging with the ministry plan and you start maybe even being called into something that feels scary to you. I've never taught children before. I don't have the capacity for that. I don't know how to set up before worship. Do I even belong in this boat? Jesus is in the boat. We are not alone. He will journey with us through the storms. He will be with us in the calm times. He is with us. He is the king of the universe. He loves you more than you can imagine. He loves the village and Thorold more than you can imagine. Lean into that. That is the good news for all of us today. Let's pray.
Father, I ask that um, since we couldn't be a part of the 12, when they learned the lesson of what it meant to have you in the boat, that you will help us to remind each other that you are with us. When we are frightened, when we are, when we feel like everything just is not on firm ground, we don't know which way is up, remind us that Jesus is in the boat. When we're tired, we pray that your Holy Spirit will give us the energy we need to keep moving forward. When we feel alone, encourage us to look around and remember that we're all in this boat together. And we, through the power of your Spirit, can lift each other up. Father, we thank you for reminding us that the King of the universe was so willing to make himself small so that he could understand us and that he knew what it was like to be in the boat even during fearful times. That is grace. That is grace. And we thank you for